let your voice be heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of... Can you feel me? The election's here. Can you hear me? We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, we just finished the news roundup where we talked about favorite news stories, things that made you laugh, cry, curse, or flip a table. We don't actually flip tables. Monty, do we flip tables? Exactly. Never. So now we are moving on to the 2016 presidential election where you have a pack of old Doritos, a.k.a. Donald Trump, (laughs) versus Hillary Clinton, or as some of my friends call her, the Sith Lord. And you also have Gary Johnson from the Libertarian Party who is polling at a level where he might actually enter the debate. And you have Jill Stein who is not polling that well but is promising to end racism if you elect her as president. <laughs> and now we are dealing with these four candidates. We're really dealing with two candidates but we're going to include those other two She's candidates. She's giving you the measles too. Because, <laughs> because we want to talk about them. We're talking about these candidates because this is the election that we have. It's not the election that we want. It's not Bernie Sanders versus someone who knows how to read. It's Hillary Clinton versus a old condom and this is what we have (laughs) and this past week since the end of both conventions we have seen a full-fledged hit on politics and presidential politics to be particular hillary clinton has been going around places trying her best to not say stupid things and sounding like a robot because there is a 64 percent chance that she is a cyborg jill stein has been getting something she has never heard of press coverage and when she's been getting this surprising press coverage she has said things like wi-fi can hurt children and that maybe we don't need vaccines and of course a commercial where she promises to end institutionalized racism and create 20 million wait, jobs wait, wait. where's she getting press coverage from commondreams.org <laughs> no no oh <laughs> Alternate, shout out to Alternate. Jill Stein has been getting real press coverage. Um, she picked a vice presidential candidate who said, of, among other things, that Bernie Sanders hates white black people and that he doesn't like Beyonce, that she's a corporate chill. So we know we hate him now, even though he's a black guy. Ugh. And <laughs> Gary Johnson said that Donald Trump is watching the Olympics to see how high Mexicans can jump, to see how high to build a fence. Yes, that's what we have oh. happening here. And, but then that's just the tip of the iceberg because this week alone, Donald Trump kicked the baby out of his rally. He said that if his daughter was getting sexually harassed, she should just find a new job. He refused to endorse endorse Paul Ryan. He refused to endorse John McCain. And he asked multiple times why we could not just use nuclear weapons on people. Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Can I lie down on the floor for a minute and just like deal with life. I drank an entire <laughs> bottle of wine last night oh. just watching his speech. Oy, and, it, and Hillary Clinton, who I think would actually be like a serviceable president for, for the for the system that we have now, don't beat me up, Bernie bros, and sorry, Bernie Sanders supporters. <laughs> they get very offended when you no, they're not bros. Bernie Sanders supporters anymore. I'll tell you why in a second. All right. so I'm taking that title away from yeah. them. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Monty, sorry, intern, Monty just flexed real quick. I think he might be a Bernie bro on the low. Well, no, so. I'll, I'll, do you want to know why? But I wanted to let you, you finish. You talked about it last week. Let me just Let's wrap this up no, really no, no, quickly. No, no, this is then, new. Then we'll get to it. So we have these candidates, and now we're here pretty much just to talk about what's been going on, what to expect, and why this is making us all sad. So, Alyssa, you can go ahead and talk about the Bernie Bros. Yeah, so, no, uh, so actually, Bernie Sanders released an op-ed yesterday. Oh. Yesterday, oh, oh. in the LA Times. Oh, Saturday? It is, I believe it's yesterday oh, or, Saturday? or Friday. I could be, uh, I'm not 100%. It was either yesterday or it was or it was Friday. That's still a news um, day. But either way, it was 
you know, basically the title is, I support Hillary Clinton, so should everyone who voted for me. And he went through, point by point, every single policy platform that they got enacted, every single reason why he thinks that Hillary will be able to move forward some of the things that he and his supporters work so hard on, and... Literally, he is in this, I mean, he couldn't beg anymore for his supporters to get behind her. And yet you still have people saying that, oh, well, Bernie said if he ever said that, then not to listen to him, which maybe he did say that at some point, but, you know, clearly that he doesn't believe that anymore. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you or me, the way I look at it is I proudly voted for Bernie. I'll follow his lead, um, even though that's not necessarily my first choice in candidate. But at the same time, I have a hard time believing people who claim that to be Bernie Sanders supporters, but they don't support anything Bernie Sanders supports anymore because they are jumping ship. Then as far as I'm concerned, you you may have been a Bernie Sanders supporter, but you are not any longer a Bernie Sanders supporter. I think they just hate Hillary that much, which I think is edging towards sexism. But that's my opinion, Jackie. Speaking of sexism, I'm going to call you out on something you said that I don't like, that I'm going to call you out on. That Woman, really annoys me. I am a man. So here's what you said that I don't like. I am really done with commenting. I think we need to critique Hillary on decisions, decisions that she's made in office and her policy and her platform points. I am really done talking about her tone of voice or the way that she dresses or the way that she behaves on stage. Saying that she sounds like a robot is like, Critiquing Obama for not getting angry when you want him to get angry. Why listen, does Obama not get angry? When listen, you want sweetheart. Him to? No, but listen. Like I, I think that it's a little. I'm really. I get really angry when I hear people. That's the first thing that people critique her for. There's a million other things that you can critique Hillary Clinton for, right? Right. Oh, I think we're all in agreement. But to say that she sounds like a robot is really tough, right? Because as women, we know that you get critiqued and you get tone police all the time. Right now, people are probably listening to me probably being like, calm down, Jackie, you know, like you're being hysterical. But that's the that's the truth of the matter, right? Women are constantly being critiqued for their tone of voice and for getting emotional or hysterical. So if she's sounding like a robot, it's probably a very deliberate choice so that she doesn't get called out for being too emotional um, or weak or dramatic, right? Which is something that many critics of hers have used against her, many critics of a female president um, or political figure have said, you know, how could she leave the free world if she's that emotional or if she gets her period or whatever, right? So I'm going to call you out on that. 68 years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. so right, right. I don't so think she's not getting her period. period but, but. but women are consistently called out for being emotional or being told to calm down. And I think for talking, and I mean, I'm not saying that you were doing that necessarily, Stanley. I think that the greater public is calling her out on sounding very robotic and very dispassionate. But I think that's why, and I don't think that's her fault. So first of all, women be tripping. Just kidding. <laughs> women no, be so, so so first of all, no, you're 100% right. So thank you for calling me out. And that's a good point to make. A lot of people have been attacking her for that. But since you brought this up, I want to start this conversation just like kind of unpacking Hillary's presidential campaign so far. So I said she sounded like a robot. The reason I said that actually, just to give some context to the listeners, is she was trying to make a Pokemon jo- Pokemon joke <laughs> the other day, and she said, "Why don't you Pokey go to a vote?" And it, it was just it sounded so bad. And I just put my hand in my head. She's and I like, said, well, Obama said it. it the best way. She's like your aunt that just joined Facebook. Where like <laughs> yeah. she means well, but it's sort of like, ugh. Like, but like, don't. but at the end of the day, like, who cares about that? Like, yeah, you know, like I don't what, care like, about that. What at about all. The, like you know? Let's like, I care about policy, right? Like, what are you going to do? What are the things that you want to do to move this country forward? I have extensively done a lot of reading on Hillary's policy platform. Is it as far left as I would personally like it? No, it's not. Uh, You know, obviously, 
my personal politics are a little more liberal than Hillary Clinton's politics. However, is it moving in the direction that I wanted to go? Yes, it is. It goes back to the train analogy from last week. Do you want to get on the slow train to San Francisco or do you want to go to San Diego? Because I don't want to go to San Diego. <laughs> so, guys, if you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Alyssa? And just to add to that, um, now that you've plugged the number, which is nobody, nobody is pressing Donald Trump on his policy platforms. Right. We've heard platitudes and walls and law and order and every metaphor in the book, and yet nobody has nailed down not one policy position that... That Donald Trump. So you know what? Until we start pressing Donald Trump about what policy positions he's actually going to enact or how he's going to build these walls or deport these people or do the actual things that he says he's going to do, then why are we sitting here talking about whether or not Hillary Clinton sounds robotic? That's ridiculous. That is like that. It's so sexist. It's unbelievable. I'm sorry. I was having a moment. <laughs> it's okay. Stanley was also <laughs> having a moment in the well, corner over there. <laughs> While you were having your moment, I slapped myself in the face with the headphones. <laughs> so, guys, um, well, first of all, um, Donald Trump promised a, a leader of Tennessee for every black that votes for him. So shut your mouth, Alyssa. <laughs> Second of all, we have a caller on the line. Larry, let your voice be heard. Yeah, this is Barry. How, how y'all doing? Oh, Barry, sorry about that. Barry, we're good. The, uh, life. Um, you know what? I heard more comments out of other females about Hillary you know, than, than males. So I really don't think the comments are sexist. Uh, you know, I really think that's a little, I think that's your personal little thing is trying to shut people up, shut people down. But you know what? Another thing about Donald Trump, I think with him in there and his attitude, his whole demeanor, he have he have really brought out some things that probably wouldn't have not have came out, you know, if he if he wasn't in there, he had Hillary address certain things that she normally would not have addressed, and he really put even the comment about um, he's saying about Obama uh, sending what certain amount of millions for hostage and things of this nature. See, see, Obama even himself after a while commented that it was not for hostages; it was for A, B, C, and D. See, which means that he wouldn't have even told the public. Of the whole money exchange, if Donald wouldn't have bought it out. Barry, so, Barry, keep tuning in because I'm going to address that later. It's actually not about hostages. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth, and and I'm going to tell you why you've been lied to. So keep listening. We're going to come back to that later no, on in the I'm show. I'm confused. President Obama invested four hundred million dollars on the alphabets. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk all about the four hundred million dollars later on in the show. We're going to come back to that. Keep listening. But I want to address that initial point about women against Hillary and how, you know, that can't be sexist if women are... Stop telling me to calm down, Stanley. <laughs> punch you in the face. Um, I want to address that point because I think that, that women can be sexist against other women. You know, not every woman necessarily identifies as a feminist um, or considers themselves one. And I think that this is a very, like, deep... We could talk about this forever as well. And I think it's a product of the patriarchy, right? Some of the most vitriolic statements I have heard against Hillary have come from other women, not from men, but from other women who see her as sort of a threat to their way of life necessarily. And this is, this is not their fault. I'm not saying like these women who hate Hillary so much, who are the most vitriolic towards her um, are bad. You know, they've grown up in a world where they had to be subservient to men and they could not seek 
powerful positions as women and then see this woman who's seeking the most powerful position in your in uh, United States government right? have an opinion and who has an opinion and who you know has made these decisions for herself and her career and has put that first as being sort of the antithesis to their way of life. So I absolutely right, think because that they should just be barefoot and pregnant in a kitchen somewhere. Exactly. And exactly. Where's the sandwiches? And <laughs> bring no, me right. the sandwiches, but, woman. <laughs> but so I think that women absolutely can can hate Hillary for sexist reasons or for any other reason that they so choose. But I think that there are definitely women who, because of sexist reasons, do not support Hillary Clinton. And so I want to I want to address that because I think that's important to remember. So we're giving a list of the last comment on Hillary because I want to get to Trump. Oh Stein no, I wanted and... to get to Trump. So oh, I was okay, going great. I was going right into Trump. All right, let's do it. My, my last comment on Hillary is um um if Bernie's with her, I'm with her. Um. So anyways, moving on to Trump. So Trump is just like a disaster right now. He's l- losing right by between nine. And nine, sorry, and 14 points in the polls. I know we're going to get into talking about the polls in a little more detail in a little while, but just... Donald Trump has had a bad week. Um, he, he made comments about seeing a video about that $400 million that I'm going to address later in the show. He had to walk them back. His cam- he, He's absolutely slumping in the polls, which we're going to talk about in a minute. His manager, Paul Manafort, said that he was going to be on message, that he was going to go to some of these rallies and he was going to stick on message. And guess what happened? He showed up at the first rally after Paul Manafort said he was going to be on message. He gave five minutes of an actual or what purported to be an actual policy speech, even though it had absolutely no policy details, and then started talking again about how Megyn Kelly's blood coming out of her wherever, and about the disabled reporter, and about all these other things that the Republican Party just wants him to shut up about. They're like, please, Donald, just shut up. Like, stop. Can we stay on the message? Can we stay on the policies? And yet he cannot stop himself from veering off course. Uh, you know, this is, could you like, Hillary had a great line when he said, you know, this is, how is somebody going to react to a, a certain event in the world with their finger on the nuclear button when they can't even react properly to getting tweeted at? Right. Yeah. I think... I have a lot of thoughts about Trump and and what he's done in the past, the damage and the records that he's left in the past six days, right? Um, I think that, you know, something that I heard, um, I forget on what radio program this week, asked, is this a deliberate tactic, right? You know, he's not supposed to be saying these things. He's angering all these different groups, especially veterans now. Is this like a silent dog whistle to his base to, you know, re-energize them and get them out to the polls and vote. And I think that ultimately this does him more harm than good. I think what's important to remember is that the the campaign techniques that you use during the primary has to vastly differ from what you use for the general. And I think that, Alyssa, you made a fantastic point last week that the GOP for years has been the big tent, right? right. They've been the all-inclusive party, all these different interests coming together under this one large tent. And that is fracturing greatly. And the what we're seeing is a lot of more moderate Republicans or independents moving towards the Dems because they just do not see themselves aligning with the GOP whatsoever. And so I think that there's going to be a massive political shift in this general election if things are continuing down this path um, in favor of the Democrats, just beyond Hillary, right? But changing the party as a whole. This is why I keep saying I find that the Republican Party is actually way more fractured than the Democratic Party. Sure, there has been people who have left the Democratic Party over the email issues, over the things with Bernie. There are people that joined the Democratic Party but were not members of the Democratic Party to begin with. They solely joined just about for Bernie, and they planned on leaving the Democratic Party after the election anyway. Um, But 
if you look at people who are registered Democrats, who have been Democrats, who didn't just join the party and who are not people who are leaving the party, I mean, the number of people who are leaving the party is very small. The number of people within the party that are supporting um Hillary Clinton, even if they voted for Bernie, is very high. 90%. You, versus 90%. Versus you look at the Republican Party. I mean, just, I, I know you want to jump in, Jackie, yeah. but I, I want to read a, a little short yeah, thing. Please. So the Harvard Republican Club, which is actually the oldest Republican club in the country, they have gathered for 128 years to meet to decide whether or not to endorse the Republican nominee. This is the first time in 128 years since they started gathering in 1888 um, that that they are not going to endorse. And and just to give you a little snippet of what they wrote, and if you want to see the whole thing, you can go to the Harvard Republican Club's Facebook page. They, he, they wrote, Donald Trump holds views that are antithetical to our values, not only as Republicans, but as Americans. The rhetoric, rhetoric he espouses from racist slander to misogynistic taunts is not consistent with our conservative principles, and his repeated mocking of the disabled and the belittling, belittling of the sacrifices made by prisoners of war, Gold Star families, and Purple Heart recipients is not only bad policy, it's absurdly cruel. If enacted, Donald Trump's platform would endanger our security both at home and abroad. Domestically, his protectionist trade policies and draconian immigration restrictions would enlarge our federal deficit, raise prices for consumers, throw our economy back into a reception. His global outlook is steeped in isolationism and is considerably out of touch with the traditional Republican stance as well. That goes on and on. I'm not going to read any more. But even Republicans who are not jumping off the deep end realize this is really bad and they are not leaving the party right. but they're not going to get they're behind not Trump. Get that line. shows you how fractured the Republican well, party so really I see, is. I think we're seeing a really big shift, right? For years we've criticized the Dems for not getting in line and not unifying as a party as a whole, right? And being too fractured whereas the Republicans no matter what sort of where they stood on the spectrum could get in line at the end of the day. Um, and what we're seeing now is that the Dems and more moderate Republicans, more left-leaning Republicans, I guess, um, or more uh, Honestly, college-educated, it's like college-educated white Republicans that are getting in line behind Hillary um, over Trump. What we're seeing is that there's a focal point now. You know, the Democratic Party doesn't have to get in line 100 percent, but they can unify themselves against Trump. It's him or us. Right. And so I think that we're seeing the solidification of the party, um, which is a really interesting transitional Thing to watch. I would push back. I don't think we're seeing the unification of the party. Trump is probably the worst candidate in modern American history. That and and people don't like Hillary a lot. And what I what people don't realize is the reason the reasons you hate Hillary is because of what Republicans have done for the last twenty years to right. make you hate Hillary. But right. we, we won't well, get into that. But you know, and but it's not actually, just that though, because. A few years ago, when texts from Hillary came out, yeah. everybody loved it. Yeah. I have people yeah. on on my Facebook page, and I am calling you out right now, that two years ago, when we were posting texts from Hillary posts, you were loving them. I love Hillary. I love Hillary. I love Hillary. And then all of a sudden, Bernie started voting for president. And now you're like, Hillary's the devil witch, and I'll never vote for her. Yeah. It's like, wait, aren't you the same person two years ago that was like, I love Hillary, and text from Hillary is great. Right. You know, Bill Maher said it the best during his new rules last week, Hillary should just come out and be like, bam, 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 and just start throwing flamethrowers. <laughs> They'd probably call but her then she would have to calm down, then, then, Melissa. Yeah, I know. And she'd be a hawk. So, right. But just, just getting, getting back to the point of like what's happening here, people hate Trump more than they like Hillary, which is a shame because of what Alyssa said, and also because Hillary is probably one of the most qualified candidates we have had in years. Yeah, since, seriously. Since um, the first Bush, who, not a good president... Not, I, don't agree with, I don't agree with his policies, but if you look at his resume, he had a lot of experience. She's one of the most qualified people ever. And 
despite that, it's taken for this really bad week for like her to really start getting traction in the polls, which is frustrating for me. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about some of those polls. I mean, right now, I'm literally looking at the 538 forecast. If you look at the polls-only forecast, it has a—Hillary a, Clinton has an 83.4 percentage chance of winning the presidency. If you look at the nowcast, meaning if the election was held today, Hillary would have a 91 percent chance of, of winning the presidency. If you look at the polls-plus forecast, which takes into account the economy, historical data, and convention bounces, she has a 76.1 percent chance. If you look today— at the New York Times analysis, it's an 83% chance. If you look at the latest polls, these polls came out today. The ABC News Washington Post poll has Clinton up by eight points. She's going to win Vir- uh, in a four-way race in Virginia between Trump, Clinton, Johnson, and Stein. She wraps Virginia up at 12 points. The margin of error is four points, which means she's almost tripling the margin of error. In fact, Nate Silver is reporting this morning that Georgia is in play. Yes. She's, last yeah. I checked, she was up four points in Georgia right wow. now. So as I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because anything can change within the next 95 days until the election. But if this continues to trend in the way that it is trending, not only do I think Hillary Clinton's going to win, I think it's going to be a blowout. And that is why Donald Trump is already sowing the seeds of the election being rigged because he wants to be able to turn. He, that's why he's right, saying it right. now. He's already saying he's it. He's already saying it because he wants to be able to turn around and say it had to have been rigged. And Obama made a really good point calling that specific point out and saying, you know, if Mr. Trump wants to call the election rigged after he's ahead 15 points, then go ahead. But, you know, we're not even at that point yet. So what is he saying? Right. But I do I want to push back against what you said a little bit, Stanley. I'm not as despondent over the state of affairs surrounding this election as you are. You know, I think we're a little bit spoiled as millennials that we got to in 2008 and again in 2012 be behind a candidate that we really believed in and we're voting for because we believed in him and we're you know like i think my my partner's mother called obama jesus walking on water like that was the (laughs) way that she saw him right and i think a lot of people agree but i think ultimately if this is going to transform the parties as a whole and ultimately lead into a change of power change of hands in congress right and then what we're left with is a more progressive congress because the parties are shifting and a executive who will sign bills that that congress comes up with into law then that's a great thing and i don't care if people are not as you know I guess, as idealistic and motivated to vote for her, yeah. if ultimately what we're seeing is more progressive Congress with a progressive executive, then that's a good thing. I mean, this is my theory, which is if you live in a blue state uh, or a red state, you know, it's one of those things. My friend posted the other day, the, the election, where we argue for six months and then Ohio and Florida decide the election. Right. But it's not just going to be Ohio and Florida this year. It's going to yeah. be Ohio and Florida and Virginia and North Carolina yeah. and maybe even Georgia, Georgia. Um, you know, and Pennsylvania. And she's winning by 10 points in Pennsylvania. So I've been paying a lot less attention to the national polls because they don't really tell you as much. And I've been paying a lot of attention to the, the polls in the swing states in the four-way races. Because yeah. you have to look at the four-way races, which because at the end of the day, it is going to be a four-way race, and that's a, a good way for us to jump in talking right now Thank about you. the third-party candidates. So let's talk about Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. So Gary Johnson's from, from the Libertarian Who? Party. Gary Johnson. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bully. Libertarian what? So um, Gary Johnson is from the Libertarian Party. He's their um, party nominee for the presidency, and he is polling right now, I think, between 8 and 10%, depending on where you are. If he gets, I think, 10% at national polls, he will be allowed to be in a presidential, deba- presidential debate. Jill Stein, 
who my friends keep telling me is a viable candidate, even though she's polling between two to five percent, is polling between two to five percent and probably will not make it to the debate. And but she will have a town hall that CNN is hosting this week. So if you're interested in finding out what the Green Party does, then you can definitely check that out. They spoil elections. That's what they do. That's what you need to know. No, no, no. Seriously. Listen, you know, what? right now I've been watching this as well. I've been like running my model that I created when I was in college because I had done a lot of election prediction. And so what I can tell right now is um, that Gary Johnson is actually taking more votes away from Donald Trump than Jill Stein is taking away from uh, Hillary Clinton. And, and that obviously goes based on those numbers that you just said. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a very good sign for Hillary Clinton because it's showing, as I already mentioned, that the Republican Party is a lot more fractured yeah. in that less people are deciding whether they're registered Republicans or even whether if they're independents that generally support Republican candidates, it shows that those people are more likely to split their vote and go to Gary Johnson than the people that are that are going to Jill Stein. But here's my big problem with third parties, which is like, I just find them to be a joke for the most part, not all the time, but like, they, okay, so they, they do run candidates for local and state elections, but they don't put the structure in place in order to be able to then run for president, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll run from somebody from the school board. I mean, right now, out of hundreds of thousands of elected office positions, only, I think, like 135 Green Party members and 118, I'm sorry, I have those numbers flipped. I think it's 135 seats out of hundreds of thousands of seats are held by libertarians and 118 seats um, in state and local elections are held by Green Party members. So, like, to me, that's like, you're a joke. You can't just run your candidates for local seats. You have to have them run for local seats and then get involved and have their voices heard and then move up and run to be part of state legislatures and and create you know a real name for themselves and then move up and run for congress you can't just show up every four years and go hey look at me i'm special too vote for me like no no you're not you like to me i feel like they're just hogging the attention if they really wanted to build a legitimate organization then i think they should and i think it's necessary and it's needed but start from the bottom get your people elected at the lower level have them run for higher office have green party members and libertarian members actually be in congress so that you have people to work for then you get elected and then say you want to get involved in 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 running for elections but don't just show up every four years and be like hey i'm running for president now like it i just don't like it doesn't work like that i asked somebody yesterday i challenged people can they name one person in congress that is either a libertarian or in the green party and the answer is there is none there's only one person in congress who's not a republican or a democrat and that's bernie sanders and as we saw when bernie sanders wanted to be taken seriously as a presidential candidate he ran on the Democratic ticket. Jackie? I mean, I don't disagree with you. I do disagree with the fact that there are no people in third parties that are running for lower office. And certainly in New York, we I see a lot say, of people I said running. said there were. Or there were, but not winning. And you're right. You're right. You're not wrong. The and I think that party. we've seen candidates run for and, and gain some serious traction in New York, right? Yeah. Um, I do think, though, that overall, the point of third parties has been sort of what Bernie did right right? exactly typically so i think that this election is a little bit unique and maybe made them a little more obsolete than they normally are but i think what third parties typically do is bring the conversation and sway it one way or another right so that um 
or provide people, you know, oftentimes, and third parties get a lot of flack for this, right? They'll bring up a lot of talking points and platform points, and people will identify more with the Working Families Party or the Green Party, the Libertarian Party or the Conservative Party than with the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And when those third parties endorse the major candidates, you can vote on that line right. and have your voice be heard in a way that's more rep- in line with your beliefs, right? And so I think that that is a valuable I think that is valuable. I think that if it's going to sway an election or, you know. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And the other thing that I think is good about this is I know um, a bunch of people that have run as fusion candidates, right. meaning they've run on a Green Party Democratic ticket together. I think that's a really smart idea because then you're able to essentially play in the two-party politics system, but you're still able to maintain your identity as somebody who is at least partially a Green Party member. I mean, we had him on the show, Eric, uh, sorry, Eric Bjorn, who's running for Congress in South Carolina too, and you should definitely listen to that interview. He's a fusion candidate. He is both a Green Party candidate and a Democratic candidate fused into a single ticket running against Joe Wilson, who's a Republican. That's a great way to do it. But that's, you know, it's not just like, hey, I'm Jill Stein, vote for me. But one of the biggest reasons why they people have to do that, run under these fusion um, parties, or switch a Democrat when they were a socialist, is because there's no infrastructure under these third parties. And a big reason for no infrastructure is because of no funding. No money. So right. what if we got actual campaign finance reform and actually like like some legitimate public financing of elections? Would that change things? That would, but I'll push back on that a, li- a little bit, because Bernie Sanders raised more money during the primaries, or as much money as Hillary did at certain points during the primaries, and he didn't use a super PAC, and he didn't have any public funding. It was all through low-level donations. Now, yes, I understand Bernie Sanders is a figure and he was able to do it in a way that nobody else has been able to do it before. But my thing is, I'm not saying that your proposal wouldn't make things better. I think it would. What I'm saying is, is if these parties, if these people really wanted to build a structure underneath it and they needed money, they could use the Bernie Sanders model to try and raise money without any changes at all because Bernie Sanders proves that it can be done. But do you think that he would have raised half as much money had he not gotten in line and become a Democrat? And that's what I was going to say. No, because, because he was a Democrat, he had access so like he had he had a bigger platform. And granted, and he didn't have obviously didn't there were things working access. against him, yeah. right? As we yeah. learned through DNC emails. But my point is like he didn't platform. take any money from any super PACs. Like you, you're talking. There's two different things going no, on. No, there's money and there's on, access. But because he was in, he was in, he's in Senate, and then because he went to the Democratic side, so being a senator already gives you like media access. Now running for president as a Democrat, when like you're the only other person who's viable to like give Hillary any kind of competition, and you have a large following within millennial voters, that's a lot different than, say, we're starting the Hennessy and Chicken Wings party, and now we're just going to start raising money on our own, and we're going to, like, build it around Jackie. Like, Jackie doesn't have a platform. So that platform helped Bernie out a lot, and then switching to Democrats so the media could take him more seriously helped him out a lot. If he stayed as a, as a socialist, he probably doesn't raise as much money, or at least not as quickly, because the media is not is going to pay him even less attention than they were before. Like I see your point. I, I, I agree with your point. I see your point about the access. My, yeah. I mean that that's fine. I was just saying like it's not impossible mm-hmm. to raise money without 
a super PAC, right? right it's that. not impossible to raise money without a public financing system. That's what Bernie may have been able to do it more because he had the access, as you yeah. point out. But my point is, it can be done, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, just to go back a second to other, like, the, the, I think one of the biggest things that's affecting Donald Trump right now and sinking him in these poll numbers is the ongoing dispute with the Khan family. That right. has turned a lot of military members and a lot of military families off from voting with him, for, for him. And yeah. I think that's, that's going to be that. Uh, like, I see that as his 47% moment. Yeah, I yeah. totally, absolutely. It's Mitt Romney, 47%. Yeah, so, like, so first of all, so the Khan family, the um, husband and, and the wife spoke at the Democratic National Convention talking about their son who died in the Iraq war back in 2004 and condemning Trump. Trump responded afterwards and said, well, you know, the wife was standing there like she was afraid to say something. She couldn't speak. And, of course, then the wife responded with an op-ed, and they responded to Trump. And instead of just kind of, like, walking back his comments or shutting the hell up, Trump kept going after the family which is the worst thing you can do because if there's one thing Republicans don't do or didn't do is go after the military but it's just like it's also not presidential right if you know how many people say things about President Obama log on to the Fox News website and go into the comments section or go on to any Republican leaning or conservative leaning or neo-Nazi leaning Facebook page or go to the places on Twitter where people who are very conservative hang out and there is no amount of, of, of nasty things that are said about President Obama. Do you see President Obama responding to every one of those tweets? Do you see President Obama needs to hold a press conference or have a rally to denounce people who are talking bunk about him right. on Twitter or Facebook? No. Like, that's the thing. If you're running for president, you have to be above that. You have to be like, okay, you know, I'm running for the highest office in the land. I'm a very recognizable public figure. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like me and I just have to say, okay, I'm going to ignore it, right? If you can't ignore it and I think that goes to Hillary Clinton's point which is like if you can't even ignore getting poked by Stanley on Twitter then what's going to happen when North Korea starts right. poking you right. when Iran starts poking you when Iraq starts poking you like that's the point and that's that's where I'll end so guys we do have to give our closing statements um so I want to get like Jackie you can go then I'll go then we'll let Alyssa close it out like Mariana Rivera so closing statement, just what do I think about yeah. the state of affairs? I mean, I, I think Alyssa said it perfectly. I think that this feud with the Khan family is Trump's 47% moment. I think that this is causing a much bigger shift, even more, even greater than um, his comments about like a Latino judge serving on the Supreme Court, being able to decide his cases, right? I think that this is a major shift because what we're seeing now is a lot of people leaving the right to go to the left um, and getting in line behind Hillary that maybe wouldn't have. And sort of being these this fight and these statements have been the nail in the coffin for a lot of moderates who were like, oh, well, maybe he's not going to be so bad. And maybe we could still just like, you know, vote for him and whatever, it'll it'll be fine. But now they're like, absolutely not. I can't I can't do it. So I just want to close this conversation out with listen, we don't have we none we don't have the perfect candidate, but I want to tell you a secret. We're never gonna have the perfect candidate. You are never going to have the candidate that gives you everything that you want. And if this is your first election or if this is your fiftieth election this is one thing you should know. You are never going to have the candidate that you want. So when Obama first became president, one thing I criticized him for was that I always thought he was trying to negotiate from the middle. When actually what he was trying to do is, okay, I can't get the great white whale. What can I do to get me to get me something that helps as many people as possible? That's what you have to look at this election. 
and at every election, honestly, because Bernie is gone. You have Hillary or the Cheetos. You pick. Melissa? Right. No, I agree. I mean, like I said, yeah, a lot of people don't like you classifying it as Hillary or the Cheetos because they say, but there's two other people. But as I said last week, that may be true. But, you know, you can... Pick the chicken, but they're not bringing out the chicken. When they serve dinner in November, they're going to be serving the steak or the fish, regardless of whether you went into the voting booth and and, and click the lever for the chicken. That said, this election is so important. Like, it cannot be underestimated how important this election is. We have one vacancy already on the Supreme Court. In the next eight years, there will more likely than not be at least two more. This is not just a choice about what's going to happen for the next four or eight years. This is a choice about what's going to happen for the next four decades. It is a choice about what's going to happen with Roe versus Wade. It is a choice between what's going to happen with Citizens United. It's a choice between what's going to happen with gay marriage, with a a women's right to choose, as I already said, and with, you know, multiple other issues, including the minimum wage um, and lots and lots of other issues that affect everyday Americans from jobs. I mean, we just had a a job report that shows we have had great job growth this month. If you want to continue in the going in the direction that we've been going, if you want to continue Barack Obama's legacy, then the choice is clear, and the choice is Hillary Clinton. As I said earlier in this segment, I'm not with her because I'm with her. I'm with her because Bernie's with her. But I'm also with her because there's just way too much at stake this election for me to not vote, for me to stay home, for me to throw away my vote on a third-party candidate. And to those of you that like to stand up on principle, that's fine. You're fully entitled to stand up on principle. But, you know, don't come crying to me if the orange man gets elected and you have that reflection of moment and And, and, you know, you can say all you want that this is the Democratic Party's fault, that they didn't put up the stronger candidate, that they did shady things. But you know what? That's in the past. This is in the future. Let's go out. Let's make it happen. As President Obama said, if you don't like it, don't boo, vote.